Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. Hey there. Welcome to 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. I'm Lindsay, and I'm joined by my co-host and real-life partner, Carling. We're diving into the 90s hit drama through today's lens. Get ready for our off-the-cuff commentary and peeling back the layers of the Camden family. We'll tackle everything from family rules, life lessons, and 90s fashion. Join us every week for a light-hearted queer perspective and a trip down memory lane. Whether you're a die-hard fan or new to the show, this recap is for you. So find us anywhere you get your podcasts at 7th Heaven, a lesbian recap. And then he had the audacity to tell me um, that he thought my pain was more of an emotional pain than a physical pain. Michelle! <gasps> Carling. We did it. We did it. We did we it. Survived hey, we did Christmas. It. This is very loud. I feel like we need to turn it down. Why? I don't know. No, we're okay. fine. All right. You're all right. good. All right. all right. All right. We did it. We did it. Today is December 27th, 2021. We are both alive. <laughs> Christmas has come and gone. I'm so glad it's over. It is. Yeah. It's just too much buildup, and then it's like, eh, and we're done. Yeah. And I heard you tell Kate we're gonna you're gonna take down the tree tomorrow. Yes, I am. I think that is our tonight project. We're gonna de Christmas. Yep. I the am. House. A, I get Christmas out of here as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. I would have taken it down today, but my mother in law's coming over with gifts, so I figured I would. Yeah, you gotta keep keep or the magic. Or maybe I could do it after she leaves. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing says Happy Monday like <laughs> wrapping up Christmas. Yeah. How so, was Christmas? It was okay. Yeah? It was busy. I'm kind of sad because tomorrow's like my only day where nobody's coming over and then I have to go back to work. <laughs> but that's okay. Oh, sorry. Um, Should I not have come? Yeah, get out. What? <laughs> no. Um, but no, it was fine. It was manageable. Yeah. No drama, really. Great. That's about it. Lots that's of, all you can hope for. Lots of presents and for the kids and... They had fun? Yeah. How about you? How yeah, Christmas? it was okay. I am, I was house and cat sitting, so I, like, Christmas Eve went home, well, like, went to Lindy's house, my ex, where I'm cat sitting and house sitting, um, <laughs> at, like, 11 p.m., and then I woke up at, like, 6 a.m., mm. and came over, like, went home to be with Lindsay and her kids, and Wyatt, I guess, woke up at... 20 after 4 and just like flipped on the lights and Lindsay was like get back to bed yeah no kidding so I am thankful that I was not there for that (laughs) and then I think by 6 30 they were opening gifts can I just tell you I'm gonna do an impression of you if you were there and he flipped the light on okay absolutely not (laughs) 100% would have said that like in my sleepy state yes yeah. Yeah, my kids woke me up at 5.45. Ugh. 
um, all came in and were very excited. And I didn't go to sleep until like one. Yeah. Because I had to put out all the gifts. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. And then we came to see you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lindsay's ex came over for breakfast. So that was nice. And then we went to, we came to your house and then we came back. And then uh, Lindsay's mom and stepdad and Lindsay's ex, like the kid's dad, came back for supper. Oh, nice. And it was good and delicious and fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It was good. And then yesterday, Boxing Day, I had my sister and her boyfriend and her four kids and my mom and stepdad. Yeah, awesome. Over, and it was fine. Yeah, my in-laws came over yesterday. Yeah. It was fine. But, yeah, it's nice to have today off. I have to go back to work tomorrow. So I work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Then I'm off for another few days. Nice. So that's good. So good. I work um, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you're off Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Monday? Monday, yeah. Because Monday we're closed, like the world's closed in lieu of New yes. Year's Day, right? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I wasn't sure how that would happen because if it falls on a weekend, I was, I never know, like, do you get the weekday off? But, yes. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to working on Wednesday. It's going to be Oh, like do you crazy. think everyone with their, like, Christmas checks and cash and... Well, I mean, the bank will be... have will be closed for four days. Right. And so all the banking needs that people, people can't survive without a bank for some reason. Yeah. Makes no sense to me. I yeah, in a yeah, in a world where you can do everything either like online yeah. from your phone, from an ATM. But yeah, I think I, always I always be... say I would never go to a bank if I didn't work at a bank. There's like no reason to go to a bank. Yeah. I don't know like the last time I needed I needed a direct deposit form, but it had to be stamped. Oh. And normally you can just print it online, yeah. but what I what I was doing it for, like they needed it stamped and I was like, "Well, this is an inconvenience." It's shocking how many people don't know the things you can do online. Yeah. Cuz they'll come in for a form and I'll be like, "You can get that online." Avoid check, you can get that online. Yeah. Uh you're just educating the world. Do it online. Yeah. And then they'll be like, "Well, I don't want you to lose your job." I'm like, I, I'm not like, thank you so much for your service, but I'm fine. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I have to tell you. Tell me. Well, two things. Yesterday, so um, Lindsay, our, okay, so our remote, our garage remote, no, what's it called? A garage door opener, like mm-hmm. the unit that mechanically opens mm-hmm. the door, broke. It just stopped working. And we're like, let's just replace it. We watched a YouTube video. We did some Googling. Easy peasy. 15 minutes. Totally. Done. According to this YouTube video that I watched. So Lindsay went and picked it up. And we're, and it just like, there were so many little hiccups. Like the brackets that it came with weren't long enough to go to the beams that it needed to this and that and da da da. Anyway. So we were trying to do it last week when it was like minus five Celsius which is like balmy for this yeah. time of year. It was so nice out. We're like, great, let's get it done. It's a nice, fresh, warm day. Uh-huh. And uh, so, but then we were like, shoot, we got to go back to Home Depot. We got to do this. But we had tickets to go tubing at the ski hill. Right. Which, if you have a ski hill and they do tubing, do it. It is so much fun. Yeah, I really want to go. So, so much fun. fun. Yeah. And um, Anyway, and then it was like, then it was Christmas Eve, then it was Christmas Day, then it, so anyway, and then, oh, our drill broke, Mm. because it wasn't an impact drill. Oh. Which, I, so if you're, I don't know, apparently that is a stronger, better drill. Okay. I.e. more expensive, and Mm -hmm. we didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't get the screws I believe only men can operate those kind of drills. You do require a penis (laughs) to operate a drill of that 
the girth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. So uh, Lindsay's best friend, who is a carpenter, lent us her drill. Okay. And so I had to go pick it up. Her, you say? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very progressive happening. Things happening here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so then we were like, oh, God. And like, and so then it got really cold. Mm -hmm. And so it's been averaging like minus 25 to minus 35 Celsius. What is that in Fahrenheit? Damn cold. Yeah. It's really cold. Yeah. I'm just going to look it up because I want to be inclusive. Okay. It is minus 31 Fahrenheit. Yeah, so it's pretty much the same Yeah, once it gets that cold. So it was very cold, but so because it was so cold, we wanted to park in our garage. Well, yeah. Because it's hard to start your car and brush off the snow. Absolutely. <laughs> Coming from a very privileged place here. Well. We're yeah. new to having a garage and now we're spoiled. Now you want it, yeah. And so yesterday we just bundled up. I wore like leggings, sweatpants, a tank top, a long sleeve shirt, my winter coat, a scarf, a hat, like we were just bundled yeah. to the nines, yeah. winter boots, in our garage. So even, I mean, it was warmer because it's ins- it's not heated, but it's insulated. And it was maybe like minus 20 in the garage. And it took two and a half hours. And we had to, we like put it up, realized we, we thought we put the belt on backwards, took it all down, flipped the belt, oh went gosh. to put it up, realized, no, we did have it the right way. But this one thing had to be in front of this other thing. So we had to take it off, put it back on, take that it off, put terrible. it back on. It was a nightmare, but I am so proud of her. Good job. I would have just like cried and called somebody. With... Yeah, I was going to say lived without a garage <laughs> for the next 12 years, but it was really tricky, but she figured it out. That's amazing. I was just the hype man. I was yeah. like, you can do this, babe. Yeah. We got this. Let's just, let's watch another YouTube video. Let's Google it some more. Oh my gosh. But we put our heads together and we did it. And now we have a functioning garage That's door. That's amazing. Can I just tell you that I had to go out yesterday? Yeah. And um, so I don't usually wear a jacket unless it's like minus 25. Mm-hmm. It's very like it claustrophobic. Or I something. hate wearing jackets. It's bulky. It's hard to put my purse on. And I'm it's always like... warm anyways. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it takes a lot for me to be cold, except right now because my furnace isn't working and it's minus 35 outside. Yeah, I am very chilly. Very cold. Um, But... I went out. I was wearing a jacket. Mm-hmm. I was wearing a toque. Oh. I was wearing winter boots. And socks? No socks. Oh. <laughs> of course. I didn't have socks on, and I had just showered, so my hair was wet, so I had a toque on, but yeah. my hair froze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, I was bundled, but I was still, like, doing, yeah. you know, doing in my way. Yeah. Yeah, doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so I had to get gas, and I almost oh, died. Yeah. Like... It's so bad. I specifically went to a gas station that has the nozzle where you can like, um, like prop. Yeah, it. yeah. Like, cause you know what is that called? Like where you the little clicky thing. The clicky thing. Sometimes yeah. you have to hold it and it won't pump unless you're holding it. Uh-huh. But some of them have that little flip down switch, so it'll continuously pump and it's hands free. So, the the gas station that I go to is right by my house. I feel like there's only one pump that has the thing that's broken, and I always pick that one. Mm, yeah. So I had to stand there and hold it. And I was supposed to get $60 worth of gas, but by the time I got to the 40 I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. I went out of my way to go to the shell that has the click, the little flip-down thing, yeah. and then I just sat in my car yes. and watched it because I'm also scared that somebody's going to, like, I don't know, steal my gas. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, the other thing I was going to bring up, how do you feel about the conversation I just had with your kids? Because you totally disassociated. Did I? Yeah, you just zoned out. It wasn't that I was disassociating. It was that I was like, I just want to go on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) 
hear that this lady's having an important conversation with my kids. She's got it. I chimed in every once in a while. Yeah, no, I I mean, hopefully I that's okay that no, I said I think all that. No, that was great. So, um your two oldest kids started talking about dating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Adrian was like, "Well, I want to date Not each other." <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "You know what? We keep it in the family in this house." And you just didn't even hear any of that, so hopefully that's okay with okay, you. Okay, I have a few problems with I, that. <laughs> no, Adrian brought up wanting to date, and you were like, you, you were like, why would you want to date? I don't know. You like said something. Well, I just want to know his reason for their reason for wanting to date at this age. Like, yeah. what is the reason? Yeah. And, and do s- you have someone that you want to date, or do I know, you just want to date no. for the sake of it? Exactly. Yeah, they were like, well, no. So okay, then if well, you're just dating for the sake of it, then you're not going to find the right person. Yeah. And like they're, yeah. And, but it really like, oof, it like really blew my mind because I was like, what is the point of dating? Because if you were a Duggar, <laughs> it's an intentional courtship leading to marriage. Absolutely. But if you're not a Duggar, what's the purpose of dating? Yeah. I don't know. I, <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> so if you could just call in and give us some advice. Why? But I leaned on some of my favorite TikTokers and Uh creators who talk about, like, sex-positive parenting and, um, like, just, like, open communications. Uh And so I was really glad I watched those because I was like, well, I think it's more important to fully understand, like, what you look for in a partner and what does a healthy relationship look like. Uh And and Adrian is like, well, not abusive. And I'm like, okay, well, you've just set the bar (laughs) real low. If that's what the standard. As long as they don't hit me, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> no. no, but I thought it was like, I was like, yeah, I guess we're getting to that age. I know. You it's know, scary. like at 14, I had my first girlfriend. Well, that was wrong. And, and sinful. Oh, yeah. No, I was told. And <laughs> before that, my online boyfriend, Alan, who is a Patreon and listener. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We met on AOL when I was in grade seven. So I think I would have been 12 and we were very committed, even though it was long distance. I had a boyfriend <laughs> in grade five yeah. or six. We never went anywhere because you didn't well, go how, anywhere. Yeah, how are you going to get anywhere? And he broke up with me by a note and started dating some other chick. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very upsetting. So I just had to go out there and ask who was screaming. You'll all hear that in the audio that <laughs> from our what we were just talking about. It was just Jude just sitting on the couch. Just having a little scream. Just testing out his voice. <laughs> and I used the term, the, the volume on this bus is astronomical. It is. It was. And I said, you cannot make that noise. No. The mic picks it up. I have no respect for the recordings. No. I often, I edit them out screaming yeah. so much. Yeah. Desk. You can lean on the desk. It just it just picks it up. It's a mic. It's sensitive. I mean, is this our first day? Pop- Mike recording? is very sensitive. Mike, get it together. Anywho, these conversations are tricky, but they're so important. Very tricky. But we never had. It's like we didn't have those conversations no. with school, with family, with no. friends. Like our only, our only like view into what a relationship was was the relationships around us. Television. Television. And I watched like Melrose Place. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> like, a, like such bad Yeah. Party of Five, Dawson's Creek, like mm-hmm. yeah, not great examples of yeah, healthy but relationships. I'm like, so but yeah, I, I really had to like practice what I preached to yeah, you just totally. now. 
because I'm very like, I want to talk about it. I want these kids to know what healthy relationships are and, you know, about like body positivity and safe mm-hmm. relationships. And I was put to the test and it was terrifying. And I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you doing that while I disassociated. From I know. The at one point we, we said something and your name got brought up and we all looked over at you and you were like, what? <laughs> and I was like, exactly, kids. Exactly. <laughs> You know what, guys? It's hard. Yeah, no. Any chance you get to zone out, do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, we should talk about the Patreon. Okay. We have a Patreon. (laughs) Sign up. I say if you got a little extra Christmas money rolling around and you're like, what am I going to spend this on? Do I have an extra $5? Yeah. Sign up for our Patreon. Whoa, what can you get for $5? So much. That is all. Like 40 bonus episodes? Over 44. Excuse me. Excuse telephone. Me. My phone, my front door is detecting motion that is not there. Does it do that? It does it all the time. Weird. It's very annoying. I have Spirit. a ghost. <laughs> the ghost of Anthony's just at the doorbell like, hello. Get out of here. Messing with you. Uh, yeah, we have over 44 episodes. That's amazing. That will never be heard on the main feed. Nope. And it's just a smorgasbord. There's a lot going on over there. We talk about our own trauma. We talk to people who wanted their stories only on the Patreon. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have special guests that we kept just for the Patreon. We solve crimes. Oh, yeah. We solve crimes. And uh, today we're recording an episode. So this episode comes out on Tuesday the 28th. And then on Thursday and Friday, depending on what level of Patreon you Mm -hmm. are, Mm -hmm. you're going to get our episode that was highly requested of little known facts you wouldn't have known about us. There we go. Everything you need to know about us. I know. I'm really excited. Carly is a lesbian. Spoiler alert. How <gasps> oh, dare you? <laughs> oh, man. I gotta so, give them a little something, you know, to yeah. get them over there. Yeah. No, it's great. I think it's like, it's such a nice, it's such a nice little family we I have know, over it's, there. It's great. And it's growing and we chat with people and people get Christmas cards and little gifts in the mail mm-hmm. and... It's a way of supporting us, which Absolutely. is so appreciative. Uh, so I hope you guys have a great day and enjoy the episode. And we'll talk to you in our outro. Okay, bye. Bye. Hello, Paige. Hi, how are y'all? Good, how are you? Doing well, making it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I get so excited when I talk to somebody from the states who says "y'all." <laughs> I have like word. I it am is the so best. It is like gender non-specific. It yes. can be uh, a a small group of people, a large group of people. Y'all is the best word. It is. I've really tried. We interviewed somebody from Nashville, and ever since then, I've really tried to like slide it into my vocabulary. I think it fails every time, but. People are like, why are you saying that? But I like it anyway. Yeah. We can get away with it a little bit because we're from Alberta and it's very Mm -hmm. country up here. (laughs) Alberta, they say Alberta's like the Canadian Texas. I would honestly not have noticed if you slipped a y'all in. I it's that's the thing that gives me away when I talk to people. Um Mm -hmm. who because I I don't feel like I have a very Texas accent, but the the use of y'all um is is a big hit (laughs) yeah i like it awesome well we found you on tiktok our favorite place to scroll endlessly and hear people's amazing stories (laughs) and the first video i saw of yours was 
I, you were literally like, my name's Paige and I pee out of my belly button. And I was like, sorry, what? And then I watched all of your videos and I sent them all to Michelle and I was like, we need to find this person. And you were so kind to respond to us. I think it's really funny because a lot of people who see that TikTok initially think that like maybe I'm a trans person who like oh. is making a joke about somebody asking like where I pee from. And then they're like, right even more shocked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I do actually pee out of my belly button. Why don't we start by having you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and then we really want to get into the story. Yeah. So my name is Paige Hardy. My TikTok is deconstruct underscore with underscore Paige. Um, I am from Texas and I guess I'm a TikTok creator. I don't know. <laughs> it's always weird. To <laughs> Um, my TikTok primarily, I have kind of like three segments of my TikTok. One is, um, deconstructing evangelical theology because I grew up in a very evangelical Christian community. Um, and then I ended up getting a religion degree, which really helped me deconstruct a lot of that. Um, and then my other, I have a small quarter of TikTok, which is just my obsession with Taylor Swift. (laughs) And then my largest, I guess, quadrant is uh, all of my medical stuff um, and and the surgery that I've had. But I actually work um, full time in domestic violence prevention. Um, Oh, wow. So I do. uh, I go into high schools and colleges and middle schools and talk about healthy relationships and communication, dealing with emotions, gender stereotypes, all of those things. Um, which is very fun to do in Texas. (laughs) Oh my, I bet. That is something the world needs. Like I um, am a lesbian, but I married a man and it was a very abusive marriage. And I think too, there was never a time that we learned in school what a healthy relationship was, what, and I sort of, I call it the straight agenda because I just (laughs) sort of, me and Michelle went to a Catholic high school Mm -hmm. and I just, like I had girlfriends when I was 14 and then I was like, okay, now it's time to get on the straight and narrow. And then I just literally like checked everything off my list of the straight things I needed to do. And yeah, there was, there was never a lesson about like healthy relationships. Yeah. And something we found too, is that, um, you know, usually the big debate in the U S is abstinence only or abstinence plus sex education. Um, and what we find is that neither of them do a good job of preventing sexual or domestic violence because neither of them talk about those things like healthy relationships. And, um, you know, tying that into kind of my medical stuff, women who have disabilities, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, are three times as likely to experience uh, interpersonal violence as any other people group. So it it all is really connected. And that's something, especially growing up with my medical stuff, nobody was ever worried about my mental health. They were worried about my physical health. And a lot of that is is so interconnected. So I really just, I, I really enjoy the work I do. And anytime I can get you know, a student from saying something that's very victim blaming to being very victim centered, like that is so rewarding for me. Um, And then the TikTok is what I do on the side to blow off steam. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Wow, you're just like changing the world in like a hundred different ways. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> Probably in the Taylor Swift way too. I just don't know about yes. that stuff. I do yeah. to be like the human incarnation of Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. Um, yes. So Love I'll that. be running for president in like 2034. 
I love that. That's amazing. So let's talk about your medical stuff. Mm-hmm. What is it that, like, what do you have? What does this mean? I'll just let you get into it. Yeah. So I was born with ectopic ureters, which means, you know, normal, normally uh, a healthy child is born with kidneys, and then you have the ureters that are connected to the top of the bladder. My ureters were connected to the bottom of my bladder, right next to my urethra. You know, they didn't know this, obviously, once I was first born. But as I was like one and two years old, my mom noticed like I was getting a lot of UTIs, um, kidney infections. And then getting even older, I really couldn't potty train. It seems like I had no bladder control. And a lot of doctors kind of, you know, pushed my mom off as being this, you know, over-worried, over-sensitive mom. But eventually they found out I had these ectopic ureters. So they attempted to re-implant them um, into the top of my bladder. Um, That failed the first time. So I ended up having to be, I was four years old, having to be driven on a morphine drip from San Antonio to Houston, which is about a half hour drive to get them re-implanted. They were eventually reimplanted, but then because my bladder never grew, I never was able to have bladder control. So when I was five turning six, I spent my sixth birthday in the hospital. I uh, had this procedure done, which is known as the Mitrofenoff method. It's also known as the appendicovesicostomy. Um, and I'm trying to tell a, uh, a nurse who's typing all of your medical history stuff how yeah. to start when you're seven. <laughs> Um, so that essentially what they did is, um, they did a bladder augmentation. So they made my bladder bigger, um, and used part of my, or I guess my entire appendix to form this false bladder and connect it to my belly button. I mean, cause really who needs an appendix anyway? Everybody seems to get it taken out. So exactly. And some people who have this surgery done, they might like there are other situations people get this surgery done with. Some people have like bladder cancer or they might have spina bifida. They might have um, neurogenic bladder or bladder extropathy. I can't remember how you pronounce it, but it's essentially your bladder. You're born with your bladder outside of your body, which is very scary. But yeah, those are all reasons. This is just kind of my experience. And so then they uh, sewed my urethra closed. So the only way I can urinate is by using a catheter through um, an opening at my belly button. Wow. And why did they choose your belly button? Just because it was already an opening that was there? So you can, there are some people who have it more towards their hip. I don't really know why they chose my belly button. It's become more common for it to be off to the side now because the belly button is apparently a really bad place for women to have this done just because of, you know, occasionally you have to flush out the bladder because weird fun fact, since my appendix was used to make my bladder, my appendix doesn't realize that it's no longer an appendix. So it starts shedding enzymes to digest food, um, even oh. after I've had this for 20 years. So those enzymes build up into like a mucus and can become bladder stones. So you have to flush that out with saline water. Um, and for whatever reason, when uh, it's built at the belly button, um, like it can cause a lot of pain to women or, you know, biological females just because of uh, where the vagina is and all of those things. So it's actually more common for it to be at the side now, but I think it's more cosmetic that they put it at the belly button. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. How old are you? I am 24. It's going to, I always think when we talk to people who were born like in the seventies, eighties, the medical intervention just wasn't where it was, but I guess 24 years ago, it was probably 
quite a bit more yeah. advanced. I actually, through TikTok, put a um, group together. This was last Monday. We had a Zoom call of five of us who all had the same surgery, all women around the same age. And it was interesting to see one of the girls was a couple years older than me, and uh, she had hers done in 1999, and she was Whoa. six years old. And she was the youngest person to ever get this surgery done at that time. I got mine done in 2001, I believe, 2001, 2002, and I was five turning six. So we all were in these different age ranges. And it was interesting to see just even in that short period of time. And, you know, the woman who had it most recently had it like five years ago. It was interesting to see the difference just in how they prepared each of us for our lives. And, you know, some of us had been told, oh, you shouldn't go to college. Or some of us had been told, you know, there's absolutely no way you can give birth. Some of us had been told, oh, you need to keep your urethra open. Like there's just so much different medical advice across decades. Um, yeah. That we could really see just hearing each other's stories. That's so interesting. And how was it being, do you remember being that young and having that surgery? And I don't know, I guess, how do they explain it to a six-year-old? <laughs> Not well. Um, <laughs> Yeah, my memory is, I mean, I remember being very sick and not really understanding it. I also remember we had like a child life specialist who had like, I remember specifically, she took us to like a little kid's library thing in Houston and she had a little doll and she had a little catheter and she's like, and this is what you're going to do to the, you know, doll. And she'd like pushed the thing into the, the stomach of the little baby doll. And I just started screaming. I was like, that is horrific. <laughs> And, yeah. I and she's like, no, 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 look, she's happy. I'm like, you are pushing a, a tube into her. This is like, this is torture. That's my only memory of somebody trying to explain it to me. But I honestly, like, I didn't know the name of what had happened to me or like, I, and I couldn't really explain it to anyone until I was in high school and was like, hey, I need somebody to explain why my body is this way. Because, yeah. um, you know, there's only so much you can remember from when you're four. Well, and when, when you're growing up and seeing other kids, like I remember being in like the locker room changing or after swim class, right? Like, and you want to know, like, why am I different and how do I manage this? Yeah. And even like, you know, so I couldn't catheterize myself until I was eight or nine years old. I would essentially go to the bathroom once a day and I would go to the school nurse's office after lunch because that was the only person who could catheterize me. And I remember at one point, you know, uh, my mom got so mad because I would be late to recess because I had to go to the nurse and um, the other kids like wouldn't let me play because I was late, you know, and so, like, those sorts of things. And so then I was like, oh, well, if I drink less water, then I won't have to pee for as long. And then I get mm. to go to recess earlier. So then I get more bladder infections and my health yeah. is, worse. you know, like all of yeah. these things just kind of snowball. And then also because of where my bladder is, when my bladder is full, my stomach looks bigger. It distends. And I didn't realize until recently that like, you know, as a kid, I had such body image issues about like, oh my gosh, my stomach's so big. Like my thighs are so big, all this stuff. Well, like I physically can't lose weight in my stomach because that's my bladder, you know? Yeah. And yeah. What was your family like? Were they really, did they try to put you in a bubble and protect you from everything? Or were they just like, this is your life now. You got to blend think, in. I think they were pretty, um, 
pretty protective of me. And I didn't really realize a lot of it until like looking back as an adult. You know, my parents always wanted me to think that I was normal and that I could do anything I wanted, you know, um, which had it had its perks in some ways, but also, you know, not recognizing that I had a disability can be really I don't know, self, like there's a lot of self-blame when you don't recognize what has happened to you as a disability. In terms of what, um, how, you know, my parents raised me, they, they told me as a kid not to tell anyone, mainly because they were afraid of me being bullied. But, you know, you internalize that as a kid um, in ways that they probably didn't expect for me to think like, oh, they're ashamed of me. They don't want anyone to know about this. And then when with my brother, my brother was like infuriatingly healthy. Like my brother has <laughs> never been in the hospital. He like, had, you know, he had the chicken pox once and he's like never been sick since. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And so as a kid, you know, it's funny because I, I don't really know how he handled it. He had to, I think he was more annoyed, <laughs> like as a kid that he had to like stay with relatives while I was in the hospital yeah. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was the normal, like annoyed over brother. Like he wasn't the super sensitive, like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, he was still, you know, going to push me around and bully me. Like he didn't, he, yeah. he, he, yeah. he, he, he's like six, he's only three years older than me too. So it's not like he really had the full knowledge either of what was going on. But yeah, I, there were, there were things that I just couldn't do as a kid, which was hard to wrap my head around, like go to camp or go to, um, I couldn't really do sleepovers as a kid until I was much older and could catheterize myself. In a lot of ways, I was really isolated as a kid, not really by the fact of like my parents, but just because because when you've experienced something so traumatic at such a young age, it's very hard to relate to other children and their struggles. So yeah. I became really like close to adults. Um, I like one of my best friends was the school nurse and I like preferred oh. to eat lunch with her because we understood each other. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think I was I was isolated um, and protected a lot. But there, there's only so much you can isolate your child from or protect your child from. Especially because, like you said, you don't know how your child is going to, like, internalize all of these things, right? And you think that you're, I mean, me as a mother, I think that I'm doing the right thing and telling them the right things, but you never know how even each individual kid is going to internalize or interpret something, right? And how it's going to affect them later. So it's such a hard thing to navigate to know, like, do I protect them? Do I let them go? Do I, you know, what do I say? Because how is this going to affect them and their, you know, future relationships or things like that, right? Yeah, and I'm I don't even know until Julia's twenty-four and on TikTok talking <laughs> about her childhood trauma, <laughs> and you'll be like, "Shoot, that was the Damn wrong it. thing." I guess. <laughs> yeah, and like I think the thing is too, like I, I don't think there's a right answer on how to deal with any of this. I think no matter how parents raise their child, there's going to be some sort of butterfly effect that you don't. Yeah, recognize. yeah. And even talking to the other women on this Zoom call, realizing like, you know, and I I don't want to say their stories for them, but some of them grew up the exact opposite as me. And they also had horrible trauma because this is incredibly traumatic. And like, it's going to be incredibly traumatic no matter what you do, no matter if you have a child life specialist who's like, look at this dolly, like maybe they'll make (laughs) it slightly less traumatic, but it's, it's going to be traumatic nonetheless. One thing I'm really interested in is you're talking about the US healthcare system and your one video about how many catheters you're allotted based on your insurance and mm-hmm. you literally cannot get any more. Mm-hmm. So can you maybe I, I guess just talk about that 
and sort of, yeah, the problem with that system. Yeah, so the system is terrible. Um, I will fight anyone on the U.S. healthcare system because it is neither. A lot of people say like, oh, we don't want socialized medicine. We don't want socialized medicine. Okay, what we have in the U.S. right now is not capitalist. And if it were capitalist, I could maybe get on board because if it were capitalist, I should be able to buy as many catheters as I want, you know, and let the market decide what that cost is, you know, no regulation, whatever. I should be able to buy them on eBay or on Amazon or whatever. But because of how our healthcare system works, I first, my catheters have to be shipped to me. I can't just like pick them up at the pharmacy. Like Walgreens just doesn't have a catheter aisle. No. And I didn't realize as well, like I moved to the UK for my um, graduate school. When I was there, I could pick up my catheters at the pharmacy, like with the rest of my prescriptions. And I was like, wait, why can't we do this in the US? And it's literally just weird lobbyists who want to make money. That's the only explanation I've gotten. So I get allotted per month. My insurance will cover 200 catheters a month. So my doctor will only prescribe 200 catheters per month because that is how much my insurance will cover. The insurance company will not, like, I can't just go to a catheter supplier and be like, hey, I ran out. Can I buy 20 more? Um, Because they'll be like, well, you don't have a prescription for this. And I can't go to my doctor and say, hey, can you prescribe me more than I need? Because they'll say, oh, I can't because your insurance company won't cover them. You know, like it's this constant. It's a vicious cycle. It's this cycle. And it's funny because people will like, people don't really understand this because people will comment on my TikTok and be like, hey, I found a website. You can order these online. And I go to their link and you click on it and it's like, okay, put in your prescription. I'm like, no, this is the same problem. Meanwhile, when I was in the UK, I accidentally got the wrong prescription. I I came in and I was like, hey, I need more catheters. And they were like, oh, your prescription was only for 20. And I was like, oh, well, I need them. And they were like, oh, you need them? Here you go. Here's more, you know? And Because it's not like it's it's a narcotic. It's not like it's a painkiller. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, that was my question. What are people doing with catheters? that they need to have such a control on it. <laughs> I mean, so the the short answer is nothing. Um, they don't need the control. They want the money. Right. The long answer, sort of more nuanced, is apparently there are people with catheter kinks. Um, oh. And yes, this is a thing I learned that is incredibly disturbing to me. And, you know, I'm not a person to kink shame, but it also feels very exploitative to me because there are people yeah. who have commented on my TikTok that like in sexual ways no. and I'm like hey I'm not a part of this yeah I don't want to be a part of this I'm clearly not a part of this I've made TikToks yeah. so I don't want to be a part of your king and you are not respecting that and like oh, even, yeah. even like I, when I was putting together this zoom call there was one person who I, I essentially I didn't publicize it right because I was mm-hmm. like I don't want these people who have catheter kinks to come on and like exploit you know these vulnerable people And like, so I tried to like privately message people who had commented, who were like, oh, I had this done, you know, or who had messaged me. And there was one man who I'd messaged who had said this. And it was very clear to me that he was lying because he knew nothing about. So yeah, like, I guess that is a side note, but like also that that's no reason to not give me access to Pete. And so there's this model in my head every time I go to the bathroom of, okay, if I go to the bathroom eight times today, that's one less time I can go at the end of the month when I run out of catheters. Or, because is it is it one catheter per pee? Yes, because you can, 
you can reuse them, but it's not as sanitary. You can boil them um, to sanitize them, but they're not sterile. This is the right. new, new phrasing I've learned. Um, yeah. So I've had to sanitize them before because I have no other option. And, you know, it, it, it can just cause all these sorts of infections and things like that. But yeah, they're single use, they're disposable. And you can also only sanitize them so many times before they just degrade because you're boiling them. But yeah, so every time I, I go to the bathroom, I have to think, okay, wait, like, am I about to drink another glass of wine? Should I wait another 30 minutes? Or, oh, well, I'm going to have to, you know, I'm I'm going to be going to bed in like an hour. Maybe I should wait until right before I go to bed. Like, Right. All of those things are are running through my head at all times. Um, this just feels like a basic human right to be able to go to the bathroom whenever you need to go to the bathroom. I know. Freaking revolutionary. What a revolutionary idea yeah. that I should take the pee. It's not like you have another option, but you would just prefer to catheterize. No, it's, it's not... like literally my bladder will explode. <laughs> like... Yeah. The, I, this is probably the worst example, but the, I'm thinking of like, it's not like I only want to use tampons. Yeah. But worst case, I could just free bleed. That's still a, a function of my body without yeah. the use of anything. Like you literally need. Yeah, no, I cannot pee. Like, and it's funny because somebody commented, oh, so what happens if you run out and you can't sterilize any? And I'm like, I die. That is what yeah. happens. So how do we, fi- how do we fix this? Like how, is there, is there some sort of lobbying going on to change this? Uh, you would hope, wouldn't you? I think in the future, I'd like to lobby. I, I don't know enough about the healthcare system. I only know my own experience, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the future, I'd like to go and lobby to to improve this system because I think it's wrong. And even to get that 200 catheter limit, my I had to have two doctors write letters to my insurance company saying that I needed 200 a month. And how many do you think you would need a month if there was no limit? Oh, gosh. I don't know. Is it close? Or, like, are you short by five a month, do you think? Or would 300 usually, probably be? I'm usually short by, like, 20, like, one or two boxes. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So that would be, like, 220 to 240. But even then, I'm like, why are we putting a limit on this? Like, yeah. you should at least be able to purchase out of pocket, you know. Yes. The, you should yeah. be able to pay for it if you if you need it. If I could purchase out of pocket them, I would buy like 350 a month just to have backups because Well, and I think that's so like and you made a really good point about in your one video, the trickle down effect is okay, maybe you start drinking less fluids so then you become dehydrated, so then your kidneys don't function properly, so then you're like it just it's like it goes and goes. So in reality, my insurance company is going to have to spend more on me because I'm having to work within their system, you know? Yeah. This is like, you know, people in an office who can pee whenever they want, deciding how many times you should have to pee in a month when they have no idea. Yeah. And it's ridiculous to even think, you know, I remember when when I first had my 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 second uh, ureter reimplantation done, my mom said, you know, essentially... The first one they did failed. And then that doctor said, oh, I can't, I can't fix this. I don't know how to fix this. And so he's like, you have to go to Houston. So they drove to Houston and we got it fixed. And then our insurance company said, hey, um, that doctor was out of network. So that um, surgery is going to cost, I think it was something like $35,000. 
And my mom was like, no, no, no. She's like, and, and the thing that I really appreciate about my mom is she wrote down, she was like, this is the name of the nurse and the doctor who told me that we had to use this doctor here. Like she writes everything down. Yeah. And my mom will in, will argue with insurance companies. And a lot of people don't know that you can negotiate your bill. Oh, she legitimately, like one time we went to the hospital And just the emergency room for being in the emergency room for like two hours, not using any medicine or anything like that. It was $9,000. And yes. And my mom calls and she goes, here's the deal. I will pay you $250 or I will pay you nothing and you will see me in court. And they go, okay, we'll take the $250. (gasps) Oh my gosh. It's so so ludicrous. It is, it is ridiculous. And it sounds so criminal. I agree. Yeah, my dad is going through a health scare. He's got like a type of leukemia, but it's it's fuzzy on the details. But so he just had to go to the hospital for a blood transfusion and he's just admitted to the hospital and there is a zero dollar bill. Like it's just it's just part of he just went and got the services that he needed. I remember hearing even like women in labor, like having to pay ridiculous amounts just for like Tylenol. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. When we go to the hospital, anytime we're in the hospital, my mom always tells me, um, as we're like leaving, she'll take anything, pretty much anything that's not glued down to the floor. (laughs) When we left a couple days ago, she was like grabbing, um, uh, like nitrile gloves and she's like tissue boxes and, uh, and she's like, because they will charge you for it. You will see on your bill box of tissues, $40, you know? $40. It's all, like, it, it makes you want to bring your own stuff to the hospital too. Like, so you're not no, touching well, their bring, stuff. Well, and I bring all of my own catheters to the hospital with me because yeah. God knows they're going to charge me an arm and a leg for it. Oh my gosh. It's so crazy. It just shows you like how much in the pocket these insurance companies are with the government and like the whole, the whole racket it all is. Yeah. And the argument against like socialized medicine in the U S is like, Oh, well, you know, we have all of these technological advances. Like we have the best healthcare in in the world and, you know, we're developing all the vaccines and we're, you know, we're the powerhouse here. Well, what does it freaking matter if, you know, like, sure. You're developing a a life-saving cancer drug or something for, for brain cancer or, you know, these vaccines, but what does it matter if you're having people die of very preventable diseases? Like things like heart disease and diabetes are like the largest causes of death in the U S which we've known about and know how to treat and prevent for many, many years. But Mm -hmm. Yeah. And people are choosing not to go to the hospital and not to get that help because they can't afford it. Yeah, especially preventative care. Every time, you know, your copay, even with insurance, my copay, if I go to like my general practitioner is $75. So if I have a cold or the flu or whatever, it's $75. Yeah. So some people really have to think about that. Like, is it worth going and getting antibiotics or whatever, right, to, to fix this. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it just seems so criminal. I, I fully agree. So yeah. I hope there's, there's a reform soon. Um, it's frustrating. I, I was hoping that Biden would do, you know, really anything to yeah. help the healthcare system. And it's not really been happening. Uh, no. Guys, can you hear me now? But where's Carling? Girlfriend, come back. Oh, I don't know why my sound isn't working. I can hear everything. Oh. <laughs> no, it's just type your question. <laughs> we don't need you, Carling. We don't need you. 
You guys touched on this while I was dealing with children, but do you need to have more surgeries as your body develops and grows or is it just? Yeah. So the surgery, the surgeries I've had to have since have been um, mainly like bladder stones. I've, I've gotten bladder stones um, that have had to be removed, um, which in itself, I mean, like that I had a, I had a urologist once who he tried to remove a bladder stone while I was fully awake with absolutely no sedation, um, trying to pull it out through my stoma. And then he oh, had God. the audacity to tell me um, that he thought my pain was more of an emotional pain than a physical pain. Um, oh and I was 16 years old and I was like, get the F out. Like, yeah. get out of the room. Like, I, I can't deal with you right now. Oh uh, my gosh, so- men. Yes, I try to avoid seeing male doctors as much as Mm -hmm. possible because I've had so many times when I've been told stuff like that. Um, Wow. When, oh, this just happens to girls during puberty. Oh my God. The number of times I heard that when I was like 12 with medical problems, I was like, can can we not? Can we just stop this? So I've had to have bladder stone removals. Sometimes people will have, um, they can have uh, like a collapse of their bladder. Like sometimes you have to get, get the surgery redone. Um, right. That can be pretty random. Commonly, there's also stenosis, which is uh, essentially like the channel um, to the bladder closes. Um, okay. Cells. Um, so that sometimes happens. I haven't had to deal with any of that stuff. But those are those are kind of the main things. But there's nothing like, oh, every 10 years I have to get this redone. Or right, anything. right. Can you guys hear me now? Oh, she's trying to take again. Ooh, dude. Oh. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Do you want to ask the question? So sure, can- <laughs> I will ask. Has it affected your dating life at all? And at what point do you bring it up when you're when you're meeting somebody? So yeah, um, I really didn't tell any of the guys I dated until college. I've only told like two guys that I, I dated. I'm engaged now, so let- oh, hopefully it won't come up, you know, in the future. <laughs> um, but uh, I, and I don't really know how it's come up. It's mostly come up, you know, it, it's pretty obvious that I have scarring in things mm-hmm. on, on my stomach and, and all, all that. So that's pretty clear. Um, a lot of times I would just keep it vague and be like, oh, I've had a lot of, you know, surgeries as a kid. And like, people don't ask questions, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then with my fiance, I think I told him maybe one or two weeks in, it was something I was very self-conscious about. Um, mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons I knew I really loved him was when I, one time I was panicking, I think we were out kayaking or something and he, uh, and I, I had forgotten a catheter and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to turn around. We're going to have to drive back. And he was like, oh, I grabbed one and put some in my glove box a couple months ago, just in case you ever lost him. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in love with this man. You know? Yeah. Marriage material. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it hasn't come up, you know, it, it, it's come up in relationships, but a lot of times I would keep it vague because it's easier. Uh-huh. I don't know, guys. Sorry. Let's just hope this it's works. Okay. Your fiance sounds amazing. I know. That's so he sweet. He is amazing. He's been taking care of me the past, you know, week and uh, yeah, cooking for me. And I mean, he's he's incredible. Oh, that's amazing. Um, okay, my question was about TikTok, and I you had talked about how kind of your family when you were younger didn't want you to really talk about it, and so how have they reacted to kind of you putting it all out there on social media, and do they know about it? 
Oh, they absolutely know about it. Um, yeah. My dad is super excited about it. But my dad is also like a huge marketing buff. Like he loves, ah. he's like, ooh, because my dad, I'll plug his law firm because he's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Lawyer. My dad's a divorce lawyer. He, he uh, in San Antonio, Texas, it's HHZ, Higdon, Hardy, and Zuflock law firm. Um, and so, and he and my brother uh, are both lawyers, and they also started this this business that's called Mediator Master List that helps um, lawyers find mediators in the area. And so, when my dad found out about like all of this TikTok fame, he's like, "Paige, why don't you make a video about Mediator Master?" <laughs> video about hhz and i'm like dad that will get two views like, yeah i mean it. first you tell him what your fee is and then yeah. you yeah then we'll say we'll say hey who was the one who paid for all of these surgeries when you were yes just paying true um, but i think really it wasn't that my parents like wanted me to keep quiet about these things it was that they didn't want my dad is very big on medical privacy. Um, mm-hmm. He's a lawyer, so duh. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think it was more that he wanted me to be able to tell my story on my own terms. Um, mm-hmm. So when he saw that this TikTok got big, he was, you know, thrilled. Um, and my brother, my brother loves running around and telling his friends. We were at a party um, a couple weeks ago, and he was introducing me to one of his friends, and he goes, "Hey, this is my sister. She's TikTok famous." And <laughs> Oh, what do you make TikToks about? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> at least you have four categories to talk about. You could be like, oh, yeah. Taylor Swift, and then yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah. And so my brother was like, oh, she gives medical advice, and I'm like, I that's not really what I do. No. <laughs> yeah, as a lawyer, you should know that I do not give medical advice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They are happy about it. They would be happier if I turned it into a uh, marketing opportunity. My brother wants me to uh, write a book, which I would like to do eventually, but uh, I, I need to figure out how to, how to get through the process of that. My short-term goal right now, which is very silly, but I want to be on Survivor. I don't know if y'all Ooh. know about Survivor. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I am obsessed with Survivor. I've watched Survivor since I was a child. Is it still I- happening? Like, that's still oh, yeah. is, yeah. Oh, I stopped watching it. Season- we are in season 41. Oh my God. And it's God. incredible. Yeah, they do two seasons a year, um, but they film them back to back in about May, April. I, I know way too much about Survivor. I don't think you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and I have always like been, you know, told myself and been told like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. But I think I can. Like, I think, I think I can do it. And now anytime totally. I've been going through things like, you know, the other day I had to prep for this, this gallbladder surgery. I couldn't eat anything for 24 hours. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And my fiance is like, this is just preparing you for Survivor. You know? <laughs> so I feel like I keep t- if I just keep telling myself, I'm, I'm going to send in an audition tape for the next round. Um, yeah, that's totally. When out into the universe. And I was talking to this Australian journalist and I was telling her about this. And she's like, well, would you ever want to be on Australian Survivor? I'm like, God, no. Have you seen the insects that are in Australia? Yeah. The spiders yeah. that are, yeah. Even if I was healthy. I wouldn't want to do Australia. Just in case we happen to randomly have a Survivor producer listening to this podcast, we support this. Absolutely. Yes. My husband and his mom used to watch Survivor all the time. They would always have Survivor nights. And it's just fascinating, like what people will will do. But well, I think that you could totally do it. It's the sociology of all of it. And something like I think my strategy on Survivor would be um, I, I'm very big about intentional vulnerability. People... S- frequently see vulnerability as 
a weakness, which I think it is such a strength because when you can tell your story and relate to people, um, you are so much more compelling as a person and as a human being than if you are just beating around the bush and, you know, talking about the weather. Like my my deepest friendships and connections sometimes have just been very casually mentioning, you know, the trauma I've been through. And I think that would be a very good strategy on Survivor. And I feel like I've never benefited from my, like in in this way. And I feel like I could totally manipulate my own vulnerability. Yeah, Uh, totally. That would be really helpful, which if anyone's listening as a big Survivor fan, I think that's what (laughs) Shan did this season, who's also a (laughs) Canadian. Big fan. Oh. I've got Canadian now, so maybe maybe y'all will be on on the season with me. Um. <laughs> oh God, honestly, it sounds like a dream because I have five children uh, on my own, and so Survivor doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> yeah, you can. If you can get through that, I think you can get through anything. I think so. It's interesting what you're talking about, though, with vulnerability. I have connected with so many people, like over social media, with just talking about like how hard it is and not sugarcoating it and just being like this sucks this is hard and people connect with that because everyone has hard I had a TikTok where I was referring to what has happened to me as a disability and this girl goes I don't think it's a disability it sounds like a superpower to me and I'm like hey I get that you're trying to really just put a positive spin on this but it's really dismissive I hate when people say totally no, no disabled person has ever preferred the phrasing differently abled. That was some ableist <laughs> BS that somebody decided was was better for for television. You know, when somebody tells you like, oh, he, you don't have a disability, you have a superpower. Oh, you see, because if you recognize that I have a disability, then you have to provide me the healthcare that I need. Yeah, and like, absolutely. No, you don't have a disability. You're special. Like, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then you can just say, oh, we celebrate you without actually like doing anything to help you. And I feel like it's the same thing with trauma when the, the phrase I heard, hate the most is this is all in God's plan. Like, uh, oh, I would rather you say nothing than say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially as somebody who has a religion degree, like that is biblically inconsistent and also <laughs> incredibly inconsiderate to any facet of human life but people try to sugarcoat over it because it's easier than trying to figure out the complexities and nuances of how to help somebody I feel the same way about like everything happens for a reason I hate that phrasing yeah. and it's like no sometimes things just happen and it's and, awful. and, it's awful. and you know there's no I don't know there's no like every this this was meant to happen to you there, that doesn't make sense everything happens for a reason isn't helpful because if there's any reason that has come out of my trauma, it's because I've created reason from Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You can't say that there was this divine plan because you wouldn't have said if I had just crumpled up into a ball and, you know, died, you wouldn't have said, oh, everything happens for a reason. Look how amazing this is. That is discounting the work that I have put through and, Mm -hmm. you know, the endurance that I have to get through all of this and make reason out of out of what's happened to me. Yeah, I have a hard time with God's plan because I think like in your situation, so like was God like, okay, this girl Paige, we're going to make it so that this is her thing, but she's going to be okay. But then somebody in a country who has worse off medical care, yeah, they're going to have the same thing, but they're going to die. Like they're going to yeah. suffer a yeah. horrible death. I just like, just I can't, just, yeah, yeah, I can't just, subscribe just like, to that. Like what? <laughs> And like in the same vein, did you know why didn't God plan that for my brother? You know, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think that's helpful. And I think, I think the most that you can do is 
try to use whatever privilege you have to um, make things easier for other people struggling with what what you have. You yeah. Know? Well, I don't want to say that you're incredible, but you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should have you back just to talk about the deconstructing uh, theology, because I think Absolutely. that we had, um, we interviewed Katie and Steph from Utah, and they mm-hmm. were uh, raised in the Mormon religion, and it. then yes. they, decide, they decided that that was not for them, they deconstructed, um, Steph came out as a trans woman, and now they're like raising their kids together as two single women, and like, mm-hmm. it's just like the whole thing is so fascinating, and yeah, and but- I grew up. I grew up uh, heavily Catholic, and mm-hmm. after losing my husband, I've. I mean, even even while I was being raised, I had a lot of questions and a lot of things that I didn't agree with. But after losing my husband, it's changed a lot. Raising my kids and things like that. So it's it's very interesting to hear about. And, and I mean, TikTok has has shit like shown me so much more of that, like the problems in organized religion. And it's so fascinating to me. Well, we'll definitely have to talk again because my uh, master's thesis was on pastoral response to sexual violence. So um, that was the entire thing. But y'all would also probably be very interested in uh, Dr. Reverend Katie Hayes. Um, She is the pastor of Galileo Church. That's one of the churches. It's in my one of my pinned TikToks. Um, And they are an open and affirming LGBTQ plus um, church in uh, Fort Worth uh, area, Texas. So she's an incredible woman and has written a a lot of books. One that's called For the Bible Tells Me So, which is all about um, the biblical necessity of LGBTQ plus inclusion. Wow. Um, So she she would be a really interesting person to talk to. Yeah. Absolutely. That sounds amazing. That's really cool. I I also want to ask you about Josh Duggar. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! I woke up from surgery and my fiance goes, "Josh Duggar was found guilty. He was found guilty." And I'm just like, "Thank you, thank God." Yeah, I wanted to hear, you know. Oh my gosh! Well, Paige, thank you so much. It has been so nice to chat with you, and I just yeah, the advocacy work and the educational work you're doing on all fronts, including Taylor Swift, is amazing. Perfect. Well, thank y'all so much. I'm going to go take a nap. Thank you. Go take a nap. Go snuggle your cat. Yeah. (laughs) Y'all have a good rest. And your cute fiance. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Carling. How are you? Great. (laughs) It's always awkward because we record our intro outro. (laughs) Oh, I heard somebody say they called it a cold open. Uh Uh-huh. It is a cold open. I was just think of cold open as like in the office. Like, is this a warm close? <laughs> Not in this room. It's freaking freezing. It's freezing. My toes are so cold. Oh no! What? No. I'm... Oh well, you just looked at your watch. I thought bad news again. Had come. There's another ghost at my door. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's cold. There's a ghost at your door. Yeah. But Paige, oh my gosh, thank you so much. She's amazing. I love her. I know. I love all of her TikToks. We're going to have her back to talk about deconstructing crazy religion. Ooh, yeah. I Those are the videos I love the most. Oh, yeah. Like, she just makes so much sense. And it's like she's, like, taking what's in my brain and I can't always formulate into words. Right. And just, like, making a video about it. And I'm like, yeah, that. Mm-hmm. That right there. Yeah. No, she's awesome. And, I mean... It's so interesting to hear about, like, we talk, we've talked to so many other people about, like, the healthcare system in the States. Yeah. But, like, 
her perspective is just crazy and yeah her experience to tell people like how many times you can pee yeah like how can you do that i know it makes it's crazy yeah so no it's really interesting and she's a an advocate for other people and yeah yeah it was great to chat with her i love it so go follow her on instagram and tiktok do it and then also join our patreon do it i mean not to tell you what to do but you know if you're in the mood to be influenced this is what i think you should do there we go in that order (laughs) we need to get you a coffee i know i'm so sleepy i know we got to record a whole patron patreon all right all right guys follow us on instagram follow us on tiktok facebook all the things find us at i did not sign up for this anywhere that you want have a great day you have a great day (gasps) happy new year i know it's after christmas now i feel great i know same yeah i'm very happy weight lifted sprinting towards the new year new year new me well i don't know about that but yeah all right bye bye